Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. Now, normally we try to do a podcast two, three times a week, although you probably would have noticed already that during the coronavirus lockdown, we've only been doing one episode a week. We hope to change that soon. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. But the best way to keep up to date with the latest podcast episodes is to subscribe. And while you're there, why not drop us a review? It really does help other people who might enjoy the podcast find us. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. Thank you for joining us this week. We're joined by a very special guest, good friend of the podcast, joins us today, none other than James Hook. How are you doing, James? Oh yeah, Ben, you okay, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad on yourself. Yeah, I'm all good. All good, thanks. How are you finding things? I was going to say, we're sort of progressing through lockdown, but as we were discussing before the podcast, I think we're heading back down into it a bit, aren't we? So um, I'll probably I know, rephrase I know, that question. Sir. Yeah, it's all over the place at the moment, and I think. Uh, but no, in terms in terms of rugby and, and my my retirement and my coaching, it's going. Yeah, it's going well. I'm enjoying it, and um, everything's kicked off with me with with the university coaching I'm doing, and um, obviously the skills coaching I'm doing in the Ospreys as well. So the the academy and the senior team. So yeah, plenty going on, and uh, and enjoying it. Yeah, so hopefully now there won't be any more lockdowns uh, to spoil it. Really, obviously the, the role you're doing at the Ospreys that that's very much a sort of Neil Jenkins kind of role isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah so i'm looking at uh sort of all aspects of the the kickers really so it's not just uh the 10s or the 15s it's, it's all all the kickers throughout the back line so the centers and and back three players as well so um yeah i mean i'm enjoying that and like you say i'm doing the the senior team and 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 the academy as well so i'm also doing a bit of skills with the academy and uh you know a bit of other coaching as well so yeah i'm keeping busy and uh like i mentioned as well the university stuff i'm doing is uh started off so i'm in with those sort of uh four or five times a week so it's um yeah it's all go but uh that's no, nice nice to be uh you know to be doing something now are, are you finding the um the new coaching setup at the the Ospreys obviously you were a player under the last regime and now, now you're working alongside the new one as, as a coach I find that with Toby and, and Brock and everyone yeah well obviously you know Brock and, and Toby mainly and along with uh, Richie Poon and Richard Fussler you know sort of doing the, the main sort of coaching on field like I say I'm doing the technical stuff with the kicking so you know I don't have too much of an input with, with anything they're doing there but obviously you know I, I see the guys uh, a fair bit and yeah they're, they're a great bunch of guys and I think you know, the players respect them and respect what they're trying to do and uh, they're behind, you know, the, the way they want to play. So, and you know, Toby is, you know, knows what he wants, and he's quite hard on the players at times as well, which, which is, which is what we need. And you know, we've also got a lot of experienced players in the Ospreys, and and they respect the coaches. So, you know, he's obviously drawn into the Dragons with a man down. You know, it was a good performance, uh, playing with 14 men for pretty much the majority of the game, and then they're probably a little bit disappointed they didn't uh, didn't you know turn over the Blues, but. Uh, like I say, everything's a bit disjointed at the moment, so you know, you, I don't think you can look too much into those last two games. Um, you know, it's a couple of weeks, I think it's three weeks' time now where the, the new season kicks off, so I think the boys will be all you know, excited and geared up for that now. How, how did you find the two games, sort of being on the other side of, uh, of matters? Yeah, all right, yeah, well, uh, I, I couldn't actually go to the games because um, I hadn't been tested, so I was uh, obviously watching on, on the TV, but uh, like I say, yeah, it was... I think the boys, you know, played well. You can see what Toby's trying trying to do and trying to bring in. And uh, you know, like I say, with with a new coach, you know, it takes time for things to to bed in. And you know, we scored some nice tries. And um, like I say, you're probably a little bit disappointed not to kick on uh, against the Blues, you know, up in Rodney Parade and, and come away with a result. But um, like I say, it takes time. And 
you know, they've got another three or four weeks now before the new season starts and hopefully they can hit the hit the ground running there. And the other thing you sort of got going on, in addition to all that busyness with, with the coaching, is you've got the book coming out next uh, next month, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been, seems like it's been forever now, to be honest. It was, I think it was uh, January you announced it, wasn't it? Well, yeah, we announced it in January, obviously with the... Uh, we were supposed to be out June the 4th and then obviously lockdown kicked in and, uh, you know, couldn't get it published in time. So, you know, it was all, obviously all on hold then. But, uh, yeah, it's October the 1st now for, for definite. And, uh, yeah, we were really excited about it. Like I say, it's been a long time. So it'd be nice just to get it out there. And um, there's obviously still restrictions in, in order. So we can't have a, a proper sort of physical launch or, you know, big book signings with, with big uh, sort of gatherings. So, um, yeah, it's, it's coming out 1st of October. And, we'll make the best of it really and um, yeah the second one will be out just after Christmas then so yeah it's exciting and like I say just glad to get it out now so the first one's just in time for Christmas and then hopefully you'll capitalise on everyone enjoying it on Christmas morning and they'll be out in the January sales <laughs> getting the second one is that the plan? yeah that's the plan yeah pretty much so I'm not sure exactly when the second one is out yet we haven't got a date for that but uh, yeah you know all going well the first one will you know will do well and um, yeah we'll go from there you got plans for, for third is there more sort no, hopefully, you know, we, we are really keen for that and uh hopefully all you know, the publisher will, will be keen for it as well. And I think it also depends on how the first uh, couple of books go, but you know, we we are really proud of it and uh what we've done. So hopefully every, everybody else will think the same anyway. Have you started um divvying up the film rights? <laughs> no, but I'll have to uh have to start thinking of that actually. But, uh well that'd be all right, yeah. A couple of uh cartoons or something like that that'd be nice yeah, it'd be lovely wouldn't it I know I remember Mickey Rock was meant to play Alfie a few years ago wasn't he but that never that never happened that's right that, yeah I don't know what happened to that I think that got dropped I think, well to be fair Mickey Rock was about 20 years older than Alfie at the time he wanted to play him so I don't know how that was ever going <laughs> to work. work but um, yeah. yeah you know you never know if you get a film yeah, it'd, it'd be lovely yeah it never been ever it? so um, let's, let's move on then to uh, a bit of rugby chat um, it's been a a fairly busy week actually in terms of rugby after sort of a couple of quiet ones following the derbies uh, I guess where, where should we we'll start at the start of the week which was dominated by Owen Farrell uh, what, yeah. what, what have you made about all this and you know as usual anytime Owen Farrell does a high tackle there's a fair bit of chat about it in there yeah yeah well to be fair I, I the way I love the way Owen Farrell plays, he's, he's on the edge and uh, you know he's 100 percent there, and I think that's why you know he, he is right up there as one of the best players in the world because he plays right on the edge. Obviously, he's, he's an amazing goal kicker and a great great leader, but his, his defensive qualities are, are amazing. But and obviously because he plays on that edge, he's you know he's from time to time he gets himself in a bit of trouble, and uh, you know obviously down the last couple of years he's probably thrown a few shoulder charges in here and there and, and probably got away with it, but. Uh, this one, you know, he's, you know, he's always going to get a ban, and you know, he's, he's a bit like uh, Shawn Michaels and WWF, just uh, come across there. You know, he straight t- took his took his head straight off. So there was no doubt he was going to get a ban, and yeah, I just find it interesting how like you know Eddie Jones can sort of turn up there and and sort of uh, chip in and and effectively reduce his ban. And obviously they're talking about the charity work he does, and I think you know like I saw Austin Healy's comments and you know he's pretty spot on to be fair like how he should be judged on just the incident on the field and not you know what goes on outside of that and I think everyone knows Owen Farrell's a great bloke and, and a really nice guy but you know he should really be judged on on what happened on the field and that incident and you know there's no there's no real defending it to be fair and he couldn't defend it himself he put his hands up straight away he knew what he did and 
and that was that. And uh, you know, he was rightly punished, but some would probably think he should have had a longer punishment. Yeah, touching on that point about Eddie Jones turning up, you never, you're never going to get a coach rock up at one of these hearings and, and and say, actually, I think the player deserves a longer ban. Are you? So I, why, why, I don't get why. No, a, well, co- exactly. a coach is he's always going to say it. It's, it's he's bizarre. there for one reason. He wants him. He wants him playing in you know those autumn games, and and he is now. Obviously, with a five week ban, he'd, he'd be free to play before the England games kick off and. Uh, yeah, like you say, Eddie Jones not turning up there to say, you know, give him a twenty-week ban, is he? He's uh, he's there to protect him, and yeah, it's not Eddie Jones's fault. Obviously, he's allowed to go there, you know, so he, he's taking advantage of that. So you can't really blame Eddie Jones, you know, because he's just. Uh, gone about you know what he's allowed to do so yeah I suppose the, the other thing with Farrell is, is he has built himself a sort of rightly or wrongly a bit of a reputation hasn't he I think there's you know there's been a few incidents I think I think <laughs> will, will Rugby use the um, remember the was it the high tackle against South Africa two years ago uh, they they yeah. use, they use that as an example of what a high tackle is on their guidelines which you know isn't isn't a great look for, for Owen Farrell but I, I suppose it's indicative of the way he plays the game. He, he doesn't defend like most tens do. He, he, he's he's probably he's a bit like what Gareth Davis does for Wales, and he's the first out of the line. Except he's doing yeah. it from ten. While you know most tens, um, I'm, I'm I'm sure you were in this, but a, a lot of tens like to hide on the wing, don't they? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And and to be fair, like, like I say, I, I love the way Owen Farrell plays, and is he's from a rugby league background. Obviously, he's, you know his dad was was massive in rugby league, so and, that, and that's the way they tackle. You know, you look at the state of origin games and and you know how how physical rugby league is, and and they probably get away with it a lot more in in rugby league. So he's just used to tackling in that way, and. Like you say, from time to time, he, you know, he crosses the line, and and this time, you know, he's he's got his ban, albeit probably not as much as as he should have. We, we talked about the hearing sort of process there. It is it is a strange thing in rugby, isn't it? The whole hearing process. I mean, we've had the Farrell one this week where it, it went on till was it ten, eleven, thirty? I think that it was announced, and you know, you have Eddie Jones and the charity stuff. Um, yeah, and Siali Piatau for Bristol. That's been sort of raging on all week with Pat Lamb and the comments. Um, yeah, the hearing process in rugby is a little. It does almost seem a little bit backwards. Um, did you ever have many experiences? I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember you being involved with the sighting commissioners too much. No, no, I was. Yeah, luckily I was uh, never had to sit in front of a, a sighting commissioner. So um, yeah, I don't don't really know how the whole process works. But uh, yeah, it just seems a bit bizarre because you know there's some incidents you think oh, you know that's that's going to be a massive ban and then it's way short you know shorter than you think and then there's other things which you know you think are. And, and nothing really and they, they get a longer ban so I'm not quite sure how it all works i got to be honest and like you say let me talk with the Eddie Jones and his charity work and stuff you know I think that that's, that's irrelevant it should be just judged on the incident itself have a look at it what do you think of it and, and get the ban judged from, from that and you know anything else should, should be irrelevant in my opinion really because the other thing is, is it always it always gets halved and it for, for previous good behaviour and good record but I've never, yeah. I've never seen a ban not be halved so it, it just feels pointless, you know. If 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 the starting starting grade is is six weeks, then it's inevitable that it's going to be three week ban because every ban seems to be half. So I don't know why why, why not just start at three weeks because they've never once implemented someone for having poor previous no. behaviour. It's, 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 it's exactly. Thing, has he been banned before? He's been banned before, hasn't he? Um, I can't remember that he has. I think Charlie Morgan did a piece on the Telegraph, which sort of went through all the stuff he's done. Obviously, there was that time he um he nearly, he nearly took um Joe Simpson's head off. Um, yeah. But I think that was, 
I think that was the sighting commissioner just deemed it as a it should have been a yellow card in the game. So obviously you don't you don't yeah. get a ban, you don't get a ban for that, do you? This you know that's no. um, but beyond that, I think I think again that, that probably that probably piles on the pressure a little bit then because of all the incidents he's done over the over the you know the past few years. You know if he hasn't been banned for it, then you know once he sort of he's waiting basically to get a ban if he keeps you know doing those challenges isn't he so I think yeah I don't know I don't know he's, he's going to have to take his ban and you know I, to be, I hope he doesn't sort of change the way he plays you know he's obviously he can't go in and make tackles like that but I hope he still plays plays on the edge because that, that's what makes him the player he is as well but yeah I mean he's 28 now isn't it and you know I think a lot of professionals have talked about the whole sort of high tackle law like how, <clears> how hard is that for players and coaches when you're on the training ground to sort of to sort of change habits and techniques when, when you know what you were potentially doing two years ago is now going to result in a red card. Yeah, it is difficult. And, um, you know, the players, they all, they all know the, the rules and, you know, where you're supposed to tackle and, you know, any, anything around the, the neck or head area now with any sort of force is, is going to be punished. And they know that, but, you know, they're out there for 80 minutes in the heat of the game, you know, there's lots going on and, you know, a second or two seconds, you know, switch off or, or, or madness and, you know, you lose concentration and, and you're going to get punished. And like I say, going back to Owen Farrell's challenge, you know, as soon as he did it, you know, he's, uh, he, he knew he was in the wrong and, you know, he was apologetic. But, you know, like I say, he plays on that edge and I don't know, I don't know. I think uh, it does take a bit of time to get used to, but, you know, the players know, know the rules now, you know, these... This sort of above the sort of uh, neck and head area have been in play now for the last couple of years so I think they know it's just heat to the moment sometimes it gets to the players and and obviously they're going to get punished then uh, I suppose finally you never put in any hits like that did you you're you probably on the receiving end <laughs> yeah probably on the receiving end yeah as uh <laughs> I've had a couple of uh, the Tulangi brothers over the years against against Samoa but uh no, it's just uh, yeah, n- nothing from me. No, you managed to sit down like Dakiri on your on your home debut, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know if he was sitting down, but uh, <laughs> he, he, went over, down. he went down. <laughs> he fell over a blade of grass, I think. That's good enough, isn't it? It all it's all the same in the clubhouse. <laughs> Um, okay, let's, let's let's move on then. Um, obviously, another story this week, um, and it's sort of been confirmed today. Is is this this autumn? Uh, Nations Cup, the eight the eight team tournament. Uh, so basically, Wales have got um, a very busy fixture list, which we knew was going to be the case, didn't we? That there was going to be lots of Wales games when rugby did return. But um, it's going to be is it six six games across November and December, which is which is massive, isn't it, for, for Wayne Pivak? And also, it's going to put some strain on the regions. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, from a Welsh rugby point of view, you know the. the- the Welsh coaches in particular, it'll be great for them to get their players back together and, and playing some international rugby, albeit behind closed doors and you know some venues, we don't know where they're going to be played yet. But um, yeah, it'd be nice to see some international rugby and obviously there's chat about it being on Amazon uh, Prime as well, so there's all that up in the air at the moment as well. But um, yeah, I think going back to what you said about the regions, they, they're going to obviously feel the strain because their season starts back again early October so I think you know not not just the Ospreys but all the regions they they feel a pinch when when the internationals are gone away so yeah it's, you know it's, uh, I don't know so we want to view it we're either happy to see the internationals back or or you know obviously going to be disappointed to see you know the internationals leaving the regions whichever way you look at it because I think Wayne Pivak um, when it was announced yesterday he sort of spoke about how obviously the, the Wales boys will be meeting up soon if when they announce the squad and it's going to be they're, they're viewing it as sort of a twenty-week window uh, across this autumn period and the Six Nations. That's twenty weeks 
yeah. with 11 Wales games in that, which just means... And you'd expect they're, they're, they're probably going to blood a lot of new players in, you know, you, you've got six autumn games, you know, friendly against yeah. France, the Six Nations game against Scotland, and then this Nations League. So they're probably going to bring in a lot of players and, and try new combinations. So it, re- it really is going to be tough on the regions, isn't it, if you think, you know, 11 Wales games in 20 weeks? 100%. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think even obviously you're going to see then the regions blooding the youngsters there themselves you know and uh, you know you probably over this sort of international period the autumn period you'll see a lot of the experienced internationals not play perhaps as many games as, as they would in the Six Nations for example but yeah I think I think internationally it's a chance to you know give those youngsters a run or boys who are on the fringes or are close to winning their first caps or probably haven't got as much experience give them a run out and you know I think that's what, what people want to see and you know, there's not there's not really a lot on these games. Now, it's probably if you ask the Welsh coaches, there probably is, but you know, it's a chance to to go out and and, and express themselves. So, yeah, it's just the regions. Then they're obviously going to find it difficult by by losing those quality players. So, you know, it's which, whichever region copes best. Then you still got your boots knocking about. <laughs> yeah, I've got them somewhere. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the cobwebs off now. You got the testimonial, didn't you, to to rearrange? You'll have to you'll have to lace them on at some point, but um... yeah, yeah. So hopefully next summer that is, just, uh, depending on the gatherings and stuff like that, you know. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of uncapped players are involved. As you say, I, I don't think you know we're going to see that the, the first string players playing week in week out for Wales through these six games. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean. Uh, there's been a fair few players who impressed in the derbies. I mean, at the Ospreys, you know, you, you can probably speak about boys that you, you worked with pretty closely. I mean, Dewey Lake in the forwards is, is clearly well-liked by Wales because he was picked for the Six Nations yeah. before playing a game. And then in, in the backs, I think someone who really impressed and in in a position that Wales has suddenly grown a lot of depth in is, is centre, and that's Kieran Williams. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you mentioned Dewey. He's obviously been, been looked at by the Welsh management because he's always been drafted into the squads and... Yeah, Kieran Williams had a great sort of uh, game in the first game against the Dragons, and uh, you know, really impressed. And to be honest, he was, he impressed you know a fair bit last year when he when he had his opportunity. So, so fair play to him. I'm not sure whether he'll be on uh, the international radar or not, but you know, another youngster, Tian Tian Thomas Wheeler, you know, has been on the radar as well. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the the Welsh management are thinking, but you know, like you say, it is a chance for for them to give these youngsters a chance, and it'd be interesting to see whether. You know the Scotland game is is effectively the end of the well it is the end of the last Six Nations so whether they'll go pretty strong there and then give the youngsters a, a run in in the other games you know around the autumn uh, remains to be seen I suppose. I mean there's there's a, speaking about the the, the centre depth of the Ospreys there, there's 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 decent you know you mentioned Tian and Kieran there you got Owen Watkin who, who now probably one of the senior boys isn't he at the camp and you you got Scott Williams there who's yeah. So he's had a wretched sort of couple of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, probably, yeah. probably sort of pushed himself really, really hard to get back to, to, to World Cup fitness. Yeah. Maybe paying the price a little bit now, isn't he, in terms of not quite making it. And he's probably set himself back a little bit. But how's he sort of progressing? Yeah, he's, he's doing all right. Yeah, and it's, it's a nasty old injury, Scott. So I didn't, you know, back injury. And if anyone's had a back injury, I remember in Gloucester, my, my last season... Had a similar sort of thing where I was having injections, having nerve pain right down my leg, straight you know down to your foot, and that's similar to what Scott's had. So to be fair to him, you know he's he's been working really hard, and you know a, a quality, uh, sorry, a fully fit Scott Williams is is a you know a real quality player. So yeah, hopefully you know he'll come back to full fitness. He's he's back in training now. He's you now he's sort of uh, managing a little bit, but 
hopefully we'll see him out there for the for the start of the new season because you know he, he is a quality player and like you mentioned you know with the likes of Owen Watkin and, and the younger centres coming through as well it's, uh, some good strength and depth there obviously talk, all talk, talking about all these sort of uncapped players who Pivak might sort of um, blood in in the next few months I mean we took speaking before the podcast it's three years to this week that the 2023 World Cup is is going to kick off so I guess for a bit of fun on the podcast we'll um should we, should we try pick a, a start in 15 for Wales go on then go on then you start us off then I was hoping you weren't going to say no then because otherwise it'd be a very short podcast <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so should we start then with um fullback let's start let's start a fullback how old is Liam Williams going to be in 2023 is the question isn't it he's going to be what 32 yeah what does he know he's 29 now 32 is a decent age I mean Lee Halfpenny's roughly that last year wasn't he or just a little bit younger than that yeah so 32 Liam Williams you you, you could probably yeah I reckon Liam's got got another few years in him and he'd probably make that World Cup so you know it's a long time three years a long time in rugby and you know you never know someone might come through but at the moment, looking at it, you'd have to say you'd have to say Liam, yeah. And then um, moving on to the wings, this is probably where it gets quite interesting because there's there is there's a fair bit of depth at the minute now. Obviously, you have got George North. You know he'll yep. he'll be hoping to still be going around in three years time. God knows how many caps he'd have if he's still around in three years time. <laughs> if you, yeah, be about 120 by then, wouldn't it? Um, Josh Adams, yeah, yeah. Louis, Louis yeah. Samet. Owen Lane, um, Ash Hewitt's on the periphery. You'd, you'd hope that Keelan Giles can can get some sort of consistent games under his belt and sort of get over the injuries, and he'll be in the mix if he does. There's there's more than a few boys knocking about. Yeah, there is. And so how old's how old's George now? He's he's still God. He's twenty, isn't he? I'm trying to think. Is he twenty eight, twenty seven? He's not. Yeah. massively old, is he? Um, Exactly. So he's, yeah. he's still going to be there thereabouts next uh, next World Cup. Yeah, twenty eight. So he'll be thirty one by the time the next World Cup rolls around. I think he's is he is he in the nineties on the caps? He's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. So you'd expect him to reach hundred by then, wouldn't you? If if not in the next year. Uh, what's he on cap wise? He's on. Oh, he's on ninety five caps. So he could he could reach it this year. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, I think I think looking at George North, Josh Adams, you know Louis V. Samet, you know is is knocking the door down, and he's uh, you know every every game for Gloucester seems to be scoring tries, and uh, he's got electric pace. So I'd expect I'd expect those three wingers to still be still be there, pushing for that you know uh, well the two wing spots. So which which one gets it? I I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, you know Josh, Josh and George at the moment are looking looking the strongest because you know Louis B. Samet does not a cap, but that could all change. You know, um, a month's time. Yeah, I think I think it will change. I think he's he's, con- he's just continuing to look mightily impressive in England, scoring for fun. Yeah. So yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's gonna get his cap in the next month, and uh, yeah, I think well, you don't want to say the sky's the limit for players like him, but he he just looks so dangerous doesn't he in what he does he does he does he looks he looks so comfortable on the ball isn't he and uh, you know he's played in a back three in Gloucester which uh, is pretty impress- impressive uh, pace wise so he's uh, yeah he's in good company there you'd have, you'd have loved the back three like that in Gloucester wouldn't you just uh, just, <laughs> just, just, just just kick it along down King's home and then three can chase oh yeah well when I was there we had Charlie Sharp was Johnny May was there and uh, you know Henry Purdy was there as well, which he had he had some gas. So yeah, obviously Charlie Sharp was still there and Johnny May has left and he's come back. So 
Yeah, some uh, yeah, it's a bit of pace in our back three fedus. Yeah, I think Ollie Thorley and Reece Samit, they're the um the first Gloucester players to get double figure tries since Sharples, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, and Ollie Thorley as well, yeah. yeah. Fact, he was just coming through when I was there, so you know, he's just sort of uh knocked on the door really looking for his opportunity. But uh yeah, he's another one that's there, just uh just grabbed it with both hands and he's he's on the England radar as well. So I'll be interested to see if he, you know, kicks on and gets a few caps as well. It Sinbad retired by the time you, you got there, or was he sort of coming to the end? Who's that then? Uh, James Simpson Daniel, did he? Yeah, he'd retired. He'd yeah, retired. he'd retired uh, a year or two before I got there. I see, yeah, because I think it's him, Sharples, Reece Samet and Thorley, the only four Gloucester players in Premiership to have scored more than 10 tries in a season, and those two boys have done it this year, you know, in, in sort of their, the their breakthrough yeah. season, which is quite scary. But um, It is, it is, yeah. Okay, then, so on the wings, I guess we're going, we go in. North and Adams or is Reece Sam again? Yeah, North, North and Adams, North and Adams with uh, Reece Sam knocking the door. You know, I could say it could change in, in a month's time. Okay, then moving on into uh, the centre. Again, this is where it gets interesting. I mean, you've got Nick Tompkins has come through, done really well. Um, as we mentioned, people like Owen Watkins are there. Obviously, Hadley Parks has gone, but you've got Johnny Williams at the Scarlets now who is Welsh qualified and yeah. he looks a talent um, Jonathan Davis in the outside centre spot and there's you know the few others Willis Halaholo uh, Kieran Williams hopefully will be there yeah. thereabouts in 2023 um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a fair few sort of options Ben Thomas at the Blues could be another yeah so what's, what's John Fox what's, how old is he now he's, John Fox uh, is is he 31 I think he's just in his early 30s so, you know, yeah so, yeah whether he's got it yeah, another few years left, and then we're to make our World Cup. Because obviously, if he's if he's fit and firing, he's 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 in. But three years down the line, I'd, if he doesn't make it, I think I'd probably look at Owen Watkins and Tompkins in the centres. You know, they're young enough, and they would have had enough experience as well by the time that comes around. And like you say, then yeah, you've got your Kieran Williams and and these boys knocking the door then to uh, put press on them. What do you make of Nick Tompkins in the Six Nations? I thought, yeah, he looked sharp. Obviously, you know, he's attacking wise, he just looked hungry, you know, and uh, it's probably, he gave something to that Welsh squad that probably we haven't had over the last couple of years in the centre and uh, just a little bit of variety and that attacking threat. So, yeah, I think he's great. Obviously, you know, out in Dublin, uh, you know, defensively, you know, he sort of got, uh, got in a bit of trouble now and then, but you know, I suppose, you know, that, that's international rugby for you. you. You learn on the run and, you know, you pick things up game by game and he's only going to get better. And, you know, he's been playing like that for Saracens for, for years and it's a great signing by the Dragons to get him to get him down next. He's, he's going to be great for them in, in the year he's there. And uh, I can see him being in our squad for, you know, for many years. On to the, the halfbacks then. Um, we'll start fly half. This is a tough one, isn't it? Obviously, Dan Bigger's 30 now. Um yeah. But he's you know, proven time and time again how important he is for Wales. Uh, Patchell, what's he? Late, mid to late twenties. Gareth yeah. Anscombe, we don't really know what the situation is with him injury-wise. But um, before he got injured, he was you know the first choice fly half. And then you've got, I mean, Sam Costello. Is it going to be too soon for him in twenty twenty three? He looks a real talent, but you wonder how sort of fast that the Scarlets are really going to progress him. Um, yeah. And yeah, obviously Jared Evans is the other one uh, who I've missed out. Who you know is getting, yeah. Getting again, again I'm, I'm looking at that. And well, big big as thirty-one. You said is he's, he? Uh, he's thirty. Thirty. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm just looking at Johnny Sexton, who's thirty-five now, isn't he? I think he's thirty-five, and 
and still and still going strong. And I think Dan Bigger he plays an awful lot of games, and but you know, that's what he you know he hardly gets injured. So I I think you know in in three years' time he's still going to be knocking on the door. Whether you know he fits in with the way that, uh, that the current Welsh coaches at that time will want to play, you know, will obviously remain to be seen. But I think he's he's going to be young enough, you know, at, at sort of 33, 34, he's still going to have that experience. And uh, I think if he's fit, he'll, he'll still be right up there. You also sort of tend to see sort of players who break through in the international scene really young, sort of sometimes get a bit jaded as they go on in their career but Dan Dan had to wait a while didn't he I think he made his debut was it 2008 but he, he, yeah he, he did he, he, against Canada was it, was it Canada? yeah Canada in the autumn but he, did, he didn't really start playing regularly for Wales until I think Priestland got injured for the Six Nations in 2013 so he had to he had to wait a while you know like you sort of you know maybe people probably accuse George North of looking quite jaded on the test scene because he's just because he's played so many caps at a young age Yes, it's that's when it's like the Wayne Rooney effect in football where you think Rooney came through at 16 and so you, yeah. you almost expect his potential to, to, to always be a bit better than, than what it is just because he came through so young and that, that's why probably Rooney sort of faded out a little bit younger than people expect him to but obviously Dan Bigger had to wait a while and had to sort of fight for that position yeah. so um, yeah there's no reason to think he can't keep on going no I and like Sexton, obviously, has been in the Ireland squad. You know, it's for a similar sort of thing. He's behind O'Gara for a little bit and, and bided his time and then, and then pushed through. And, you know, they are quite similar in that respect where, you know, they're real competitors. And, uh, like I say, Dan, Dan Bigger doesn't get injured that much. So if he can stay fit, then, you know, like he's he's not a, a fly-off with, with like electric pace. And, you know, so he's not going to lose too much, too much of that. So he's still going to be the player is now you'd think anyway yep indeed um, scrum half's another tough one isn't it because I mean there's three boys fighting out for it at the minute um, Gareth Davis Reese Webb Thomas Williams I mean Reese Webb's going to be what 34 in, 34, in, in yeah. 20 but that's not going to make a a, a, a a bit of difference to him is it you know he could, he could be 44 and he'd still be chomping at the bit well, to play yeah, in the exactly. World Cup and yeah. he'd be confident he could do it yeah, and, and and again, another you know, it's quite similar to to Dan at the start of his career. You know, he, he had to sort of bide his time and, and and wait to get his opportunity. And when he did, obviously, you know, he's, he's taken it. But Rhys Webb was similar, but a little bit different. With you know, he's been out of the Welsh squad now for the last was he out a couple of years, basically, was he? Yeah, yeah. He's, obviously, well, he missed out. He missed out on 2015 World Cup through injury, didn't he? When he was yeah, he he sort of waited so long to to get the jersey off Mike Phillips, and then he got it, and then he got injured. Obviously, last yeah. year he missed the World Cup because of the the sixty cap rule. He's playing in France, so he missed that. Yeah. So, regardless yeah, of age, so he'll be he'll be desperate to, to to be in France in in three years' time, won't he? One hundred percent. Yeah, and you know that that's one thing that you know you can have as many caps as as you want for Wales, and you want to play in our World Cup. And uh, for, for Webby, he hasn't he hasn't played in the World Cup. And as you mentioned, Ben, you know he's, he's fit as a fiddle, and he's you know he seems to be sort of. He's not getting any slower. He looks, he looks fitter, you know, every single preseason when it comes round. So, again, I think the only only thing with with, with Reese is that uh, he's got to stay injury free, and if, if he does that, 
And again, that, that experience, you know, we can imagine sort of three years down the line with, with Rhys Webb and Dan Bigger, both fully fit with that much experience behind them, you know, going into a World Cup. You'd be confident in, in those two sort of taking you forward. Of course, Thomas Williams. I mean, Gareth Davis has been the man at the last two World Cups and he'll be desperate to keep that starting jersey. But Thomas Williams got a little bit of a sort of advantage on both of them in terms of age. He's, he'll probably be, in yeah. his, he'll be hitting his prime probably 2023 and he, he, he could certainly offer something. To, to the yeah, exactly. And that's that's why it's always difficult sort of picking sort of three years out because you know the, probably the team I pick you know here is uh, probably going not going to be nowhere near it, and uh, you know a lot of things can change, injuries, form, uh, you know what not. So yeah, I I think Thomas Williams, Gareth Davis will will be there as well. Um, oh, is Gareth Davis now? Um, I want to say he's just a little bit younger than Webby. He might be thirty or twenty nine. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so you know. Yeah, I think he might be 30 now. He's, he's going to be there as well. And like I say, three years' time, his chances are he's going to be another you know, nine knocking the door down as well. So Yeah, I mean, there's Kieran Hardy, isn't there, with the Scarlets? Yeah, well, exactly. Really knocking the door yeah. down. Exactly. And it all depends on you know what, what fits for the Welsh management and you know, the combinations they see working well. And uh, like I say, what the, probably the chances are the team I pick is not going to be anywhere near it. Uh, should we move on to the, the pack? Which I think is going to be painful for both of us, isn't it? But we'll... we'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> we'll press through it. Um, um, front row. Should, I think, should we start on the tight? Because the tight might be easier, actually, because you've got people like Leon Brown and Dylan Lewis. Yeah, yeah. I probably, I probably, the one that sticks out is obviously Leon Brown. You know, he's uh, he scored some, some crazy tries for a, for a tight dead prop, to be fair to him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, had, he's had a couple of caps as well, so he's had some experience now, hasn't he? How, how many caps has he had now? Uh, Leon probably somewhere in the teens um, yeah yeah he's been he's had a, he's had sort of a couple of uh, blood ins I remember Gatlin put him in against Georgia which was a, a real lesson because he, he had a he had a, a bit of an education at the scrum that day I think that was the day when they nearly beat us on a on a penalty try late on but you yeah. know, I think he, he's come on in the scrum I think he still needs a fair bit of work there but he's, he's really come on the last year obviously he's been working with the Dragons really hard but yeah in, in the loose I mean that's the second sort of long distance try he scored against the Ospreys this season, isn't it? Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, so he's uh, he picked some great lines, and uh, I suppose that's the way that you know the modern games go in. You know, as a, for a prop, I'm just got to scrum now and uh, and ball. You know, you got to have you know good hands and pick good lines in the loose, and you know he certainly fits fits that bill. And and the way the Welsh coaches are, you know, they they want to play that sort of expansive style of rugby, so he he's, he's certainly fit in that. Hooker, obviously, Ken Owens has been the man in possession of the jersey for for a long time um 2023 might be a bit too far for him but obviously uh i think he's he's enjoyed the sort of the lockdown the the, the restaurant rugby so yeah. i think he'll be desperate to to keep going um but beyond that you've got Elliot D uh Ryan Elias and and obviously Dewey Lake of the Ospreys is going to be right there in the mix yeah no definitely i think so how old's Ken Ken's going to be 30 Oh, is he 33? I think he's 33 now, I want to say. Yeah, so um, might, might be a touch too far for Ken, but I think obviously the next the next in line is, is Elliot D. And um, I think you'd have to say him looking at it now, um, you know, and three years down the line, he's, he's going to be, you know, probably get a, you know, a lot more caps under his belt as well. And he seems to be the natural successor for Ken at the moment. What about, what about Derry Lake? Do you think he's going to, because obviously, you know, Pivak brought him into the squad before he'd even played a game for the Ospreys. So clearly they do, Really rating. We we saw a bit of his sort of explosive power um, in in the Welsh derbies, didn't we? I think the game at, 
against the Blues, we saw a lot of what he could do. Yeah, no, exactly. And again, like you know, that if he gets his opportunity, and you know, he's, he's looked up at the Welsh management, and he, he's going to be he's going to be right up there. And he's obviously played really well for the for the under twenties. That's where he sort of first uh, first on the radar from there. And I think yeah, he's he's, he's definitely going to be challenging. Um, you know, he's one to just get some more some more regional games under his belt and and get his experience that way and. Yeah, like I say, three years down the line, it's, uh, it's a long time and he's definitely going to be up there. Back to the loose head, obviously you've got people like Wynne Jones, uh, Rob Evans, and I guess the, the sort of the young one who's who's really come through in the last year is uh, Rhys Carey, who's obviously, had, you know, he's been to Saracens, he's been to a World Cup, um, he's now back at the Cardiff Blue. So he's had he's had a fair bit of rugby experience and, and, and gained a lot probably in, in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's Rhys Carey and, and Leon Brown, they're two big big props locking out that scrum and they so you know if we're going to go into a World Cup with a steady scrum that's uh, it's not a bad front row is it absolutely yeah that's uh, not not a bad front row at all um, into the second row um, I mean there's there's one man who's been a, a constant in the team for the best part of 15 years now that's Alan Wynn Jones but he is he's 34 now so 37 might be pushing I mean Simon, yeah. Shaw, Simon Shaw made a Lions tour didn't he when he was the yeah, he did so, he uh, did actually yeah I, I, if anyone can and wins so I don't know I, I I just think on that it just depends on Alan Wynn if he wants to carry on he probably could make that World Cup uh, whether he does you know is another is another story I think uh, whether he'll just go to to the next year's Lions tour and then call it a day I'm not, I'm not sure but um, yeah I think that just depends on Al if Al tells the, the management they want to you know stick in there and go to our World Cup he'll, he'll certainly give it a go um, and you know I think the one thing with Al he's, you know, he's got managed a fair bit over the last couple of years you know rightly so to sort of save him for the international so yeah I don't know I don't know with 37 yeah it's, it's you know I'm not sure I think that's uh I guess say up to Al. Yeah, and then obviously there's there's a, there's a lot of other sort of boys. You know, Jake Ball is is there. Uh, Corey Hill, Adam Bid, Will Rollins. So you know, yeah. there's a few other boys. Um, yeah, I I'd, I'd probably look at sort of Jake Ball and uh, Adam Beard. You know, in the second row. Adam Beard, you know, he's been again in the well squad now for the last couple of years, and you know, he's been trying to fight his way through. So. Obviously, Al's taken up one of those spots. So if Al doesn't go to that World Cup, you know he's got and Cody Hill to be fair. So you know those those three in particular are, are young enough to make that World Cup and and will do a job because they've they've got enough experience already as it is. Okay, and then on to the the back row, um, which is always the toughest part, probably in Wales to pick the team, isn't it? I mean, the, the boy the boys there at the minute aren't exactly old you know people like Falatai Tiprik Navidi obviously Wainwright's got plenty of time on his hands uh, Moriarty's probably got a World Cup in him for sure yeah, yeah. beyond that you've got boys I mean Josh McLeod's coming through with the Scarlets Tame Basham Shane Lewis Hughes um, yeah there, there's more than a few boys who, who could feasibly be in this position in three years time in there yeah no there is um, oh, yeah I don't know where you start I think like you say Toby's Tips and um, and Ross Moriarty, they, they'll all be young enough. Um, I think obviously I love the, the the look of Aaron Wainwright as well, and I think you know he's had a, a taste of it and, and played really well in the last World Cup. So I think he'll he'll be there thereabouts as well. Uh, Team Basham, like you say, he's he's been playing really well for the Dragons. So 
I don't know. It's always a big debate in Wales. You know, we've always been blessed with with fantastic back rowers. So I don't know. I think if yeah, three years, so Toby and Tip, they'll they'll be sort of mid early mid thirties. Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm not certain on ages, but they'd be be around there when it is. Tips, tips, yeah. Tips early thirties now, isn't he? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think if Tips doesn't make it, you got you got Basham. Um, and obviously uh, Ross Moriarty I think will be there you know he's young enough and and Toby if Toby's fit he's, he's got to play I think you know he's obviously had his, his struggles with injury and you know maybe that will be you know he has a couple of years with, with no injuries and you know that time out of the game has, has rested his body a little bit you know you might see see you know more to come from him So you go in Toby at 8 Tips or Bash at, tip, Tips or Basham at 7 I, I'm going to go Tips Tips I'm going to go Tips Toby Tips and then probably Wainwright will come through, I think. Okay, Wainwright. There we go, then. We got through that in the end, didn't we? <laughs> we got there, <laughs> Bit of a struggle. Uh, yeah, whether any of those will make it, I don't know. Oh, God, this is the sort of thing they'll be pulled up in three years' time now, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Just to show us how wrong we got it, but, you know. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, Hopefully Wayne Pivak finds it half as hard as we found it. That's a good <laughs> sign then, isn't it? Exactly. There we go. Um I don't think there's any more rugby to rediscuss. We've uh, we've probably gone through everything there, so I think that's it for today's podcast, James. But a massive thanks for joining us. No problem, mate. No problem. Pleasure. And all the best with the coaching. Um, sounds like it's keeping you busy. Yeah, it is. It is. No, it's good. I'm enjoying it. So it's, uh, so it's one thing when you finish. It's nice to get into uh, into a bit of a routine. I think as rugby players, you've you know been given a schedule at the start of every week, so we know exactly what we got on every day. So you know. When you finish, we haven't got that, so you know, I've got a bit of a routine now, which uh, which I'm enjoying. So, yeah, it's good, it's good. So, hopefully, I'll, I'll continue. Good, mate, and uh, best of luck with the book launch. I'll have to, I'll have to grab myself a copy. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to drop your copy, boys. Yeah, first of October. So, I uh, look forward to it, mate. 